Well, what a pleasure to be here in Hawaii. We are in the middle of the ocean, I'm sure you appreciate. I've got 10 minutes to try to convince you that you're perhaps the luckiest generation ever to have come along because you have a front row seat on the most extraordinary time in all of human history. And I'll show you what I mean. <laughs> I gave a talk at the World Bank a few months ago, and I put this image up as my first one to address. And I said, there it is, the World Bank. That's where all the assets are. <laughs> and over the course of human history, we've been really good at drawing down those assets. We have not been really good at accounting for them, however. So I hope that in your lifetime, you will look at the World Bank with eyes that appreciate the real source of everything we care about. Of course, our economies. Yes, our health and our security. But most importantly, life itself is dependent on the natural systems that govern the world. In our time, part of the reason that I think of you as the, and I'm part of it too, the luckiest people ever to be on the planet, is that we have, for the first time, a chance to view the past and the present with the eyes of those who have gone up in space and looked back and also looked outward into the universe beyond and had this big awareness. This is it. This is all there is. This is home. And we're changing it. We're changing it through the fact that we're now six and a half billion people. When I arrived on the planet some years ago, there were only two billion people. I've seen population triple the size of the planet. Stays remarkably the same. I've had the joy of traveling down into the blue part of the planet, the blue heart of what makes the planet work, the ocean. Some people have asked, why should I care about the ocean? I don't swim, I don't eat fish, I get seasick, and all those reasons why people say they don't like the ocean or care about it. But think of what Earth would be like without it. Think about Mars, a place that has little to offer in terms of a life support system. But getting down in the ocean, living there, I've had the joy of doing that on a number of occasions to be with the fish day and night, sleep with the fishes after all, and to have a chance to get to know some of our fellow mammals on their own terms, creatures that were born to swim, live in the ocean. I wish sometimes that I could do what whales and other sea creatures do to stay and not have to come back up for air to enjoy day and night. But after all, I am a human being, and I do like coming back to the surface after having visited with that place where most of life on Earth actually lives. The greatest diversity of life on Earth is out there. These are the nuts, the bolts, the cogs, the wheels, the pieces that hold the planet together. Take away the diversity of life, and you find a more simplified system that is not as resilient to the changes that are taking place owing to what we are doing to the planet. When I see a fish like this little parrotfish with freckles on its nose, I've come to appreciate that like cats and dogs and people and all other forms of life, everyone is different. There aren't any two exactly alike. 
we know that about ourselves. We see how we're connected. We're connected through the chemistry of life and we are individuals because of the chemistry of life. The immense capacity to have variations on the theme of whatever it is we are, but linked to how we're all part of a whole and we're all at home here on this singular blue planet. These new images that now are available to every human being, well, most every human being, if you have access to images such as these, you can see how we are linked by the winds of Africa that sweep across the deserts and bring even as far as Hawaii bits of the sand and bits of what started on the other side of the planet, the currents of the skies above, the currents of the ocean below also serve as great connectors sweeping around the planet. No longer can we be isolated, not that we ever were, but now, like no other species that has ever been or ever shares the planet with us now, human beings have the capacity to see ourselves, we see ourselves in perspective. At least we have that option. Not everybody takes advantage of the capacity to look back in time, to look at where we are now, to imagine a future that is fast coming upon us. A future not written in changes that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren might experience, but in a decade. We live, you live, in a decade that may be the most important decade in the next 10,000 years. What you do, what you experience, what you don't do, will have a magnified impact on the whole world now and forevermore. As evidence, consider what's happening to polar ice here, Greenland, an image of the speed of melting that is unprecedented in human history. Our species really began its reign of prosperity toward the end of the last ice age, about 12,000 years ago, as the polar ice began melting, but only in the last 100 years, especially the last 50, and most particularly the last 20, and the pace is picking up, so that last year was the year that saw a precipitous drop of ice in the Arctic. Look at that curve and the sharp plunge downward of the cover of Arctic ice as a consequence of this accelerating trend toward warming to which human beings have inescapably played a major role. Sure, there's been a long-term trend, but we have pushed the fast forward button owing to what we're doing what we're putting into the atmosphere, carbon dioxide in excess, the way we are transforming the tapestry of life on the land and in the sea that heretofore has served as a great, resilient, living network that has weathered ups and downs during previous times, but we have simplified that network, reduced the diversity, eliminated critical ecosystems that heretofore have held the planet steady steadier, at least, than what we're experiencing now. Bad news for this big furry canary in the Arctic. Bad news for those who live in Florida, including a home that I have in the red zone. This would represent what happens with only a six-meter rise, which once was thought a possibility, maybe in 500 years or 1,000, but now appears to be on our doorstep. This year is projected, it appears, to be a time when we might actually see an ice-free Arctic in the summer.
I was in, at the North Pole in 1998, and there was still ice there, but a few years later, people were actually taking dips, dropping into the water, chilly water, but they did it, <laughs> to prove a point, diving at the North Pole, or swimming at least. Bad news, too, for what happens when excess carbon dioxide that exceeds what the ocean can, can accept and turn into photosynthesis that in turn churns out oxygen that enters the atmosphere. The ocean is becoming increasingly acidic as carbonic acid is formed as a consequence of that excess carbon dioxide. It's in headlines in science papers. It's beginning to be in the New York Times, The Economist, and elsewhere, but it hasn't yet penetrated the, the full awareness of human beings in terms of, well, what does this matter to me? Why should I care if coral reefs feel the crunch? Why should I care if these little guys, coccolithophorids, maybe you'll see this name on a t-shirt someday, have you thanked a coccolithophorid today? <laughs> they do much of the heavy lifting in terms of churning out the oxygen that you breathe. Another little green guy called the protochlorococcus that didn't that nobody knew existed until about 20 years ago, actually is responsible for about one in every five breaths you take. We didn't know it existed. It is in the ocean. It drives the way the world works. It's at risk because of what we are putting into the atmosphere, what we're allowing to happen to the ocean that governs the way the world works. Of course, that's not all that we're putting into the, into the ocean. The great quantity of plastics that have entered the sea from the land, entering the food chains of birds, entering the food chains of us, of the fish that live there. And meanwhile, what we're doing to the fish, what we're taking out of the ocean. For science, there's a reason for this. And this fish is not going to die. It's an ambassador to go out and learn more about the ways of the big fish in the sea, of which 90% have been lost in the last 50 years. What will the next 50 years be if the ocean becomes shark-free? We're down to about 10% of what there were when I was a kid, owing to a growing appetite for shark fin soup. Turtles have almost gone the way of the dinosaurs. We're seeing a loss of our fellow mammals in the sea, largely because now they're entangled with nets that are used to catch huge quantities of wildlife from the sea. I hope if you come away with one thought as a consequence of these few images, it is that we are a part of a natural world that includes wildlife in the sea as well as on the land. And we still preposterously are proposing to feed large numbers of humans with wild-caught things from the ocean at a terrible cost. These ships, these boats are dredging the seafloor to bring up shrimp and other creatures that live on the seafloor, in the process eliminating whole ecosystems, like using bulldozers to catch songbirds. These are before and after scenes that I'll flip through very quickly, but I hope the images stay in your mind every time you look at a wild fish in the grocery store or at the market or in a restaurant. Around the world, there are mountains that we have yet to discover. Less than 5% of the ocean has been seen, let alone explored, these are hypothetical mountains. They're real mountains, probably, but hypothetically marked here because we only know them because satellites have recorded little bumps in the ocean where it is thought that mountains are below. 
as we come to understand the nature of the sea and who lives there and what they mean to us and how vulnerable they are to our actions, when you see what we're able to do technologically to get footprints on the moon, think about the big footprint that we're leaving here on this planet that still remains largely unknown, but certainly vital to the future of all that we hold near and dear. We, you, can make a difference that is unparalleled through the actions that you take, but it starts, all starts, with using that good brain that human beings are invested with, the capacity to see ourselves as no other species can, as an individual kind of creature that doesn't just have to sit back and take whatever comes. We have the power to make a difference and to shape our future and to shape all of the rest of life on Earth forever, depending on what we do or don't do. Thanks.